Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Good to uh, good to see you, sir. Good to to hear from you. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, has been a while. Uh, it's good to see you. We're not in person anymore. I'm looking at you over Zoom. This is actually pretty exciting. The technology that exists in 2020 is simply amazing. What a time to be alive. We're making leaps right now. <laughs> Absolute leaps. And let's just bring it on. I'm ready for adapting like all of our previous noble generations of human beings for the situation at hand. We've uh, we fully embraced it, man. We're we're hunkered down for the winter. We're uh, we're staying safe. We're keeping our families safe, and uh, we're keeping this podcast going. So I think uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously, I loved having you here in person, but uh, you know, this is uh, this is going to work for now. So it will. Yeah, we were always careful to begin with in terms of not really branching out too much in what we were doing, but just having our own connections to uh, COVID-19 definitely just put it into another fresher perspective yet. And it's the tough but correct thing to do. And so um, we've been friends long enough, I think, that we'll make it through this. So <laughs> we're going to keep on recording and just good to let our listeners know that we're doing all right. And we apologize for not being as communicative. We hope that you've all been well and Welcome back to listening to us. Yes, sir. Well said. Well said. I'm uh I'm excited to get back into it. It's uh it's been a uh interesting start for the season. Just uh the quick turnaround, obviously after uh the the kind of late end to last year and uh you know, just a couple weeks off and got back in it. But um what you want to start with, man? What do you uh what do you want to take on first? Well, you might no, based off of any club that happens to be in the position that I'm in, that it's nice to talk about being in the position that we're in, which is in first. And this is really good. That's really interesting of me to say, oh, it's, it's really good to see us <laughs> in first place. It's so good. I'll leave it at that. No, it's been what I was expecting long term. When Jose came in, uh, we obviously weren't going to get his best version of himself upon coming in halfway through a season after a, you know, torrential overturn in manager like what we talked about with Pochettino leaving. But I think we're really starting to see what Mourinho is capable of. And, you know, the first third of the season, that's a pretty big sample size to make reasonable assertions that this is a team that can challenge just a matter of a week-to-week -week basis. So the quality is there, and there's going to be challenges, as we saw last week. But, uh, yeah, it is good to see us there, and Harry Kane making another advancement in his quality as a player, along with Son, who's just complimenting him and really leading his own line in a way so it's just really refreshing and given the year that we've had makes it a little bit easier yeah and uh you know i think that and we we've talked about this on previous podcasts um even dating back to when Mourinho was coach at united is uh you know the knock on him 
is his teams just play, you know, they play back, they play counterattacking football and they're boring. And, and people forget that, you know, a couple of years that he was at Real Madrid, they scored a hundred plus goals. And the only team to do that, I believe in La Liga history, possibly Barcelona, maybe once or twice, but, uh, to see the way you guys are, are clicking right now and then plus your number one in goal difference at, at 14 in the Premier League, I mean, it makes all the sense of why you're at uh, number one right now. And uh, the two guys you touched on, the way that he has them clicking and playing harmonious football together, it's, it's as someone who isn't a Spurs fan but is interested, obviously – Having you being a Spurs fan and uh, just a Premier League fan in general, it's uh, it, they've been fantastic working as tandem uh, this year. And we kind of touched off topic or I, I guess off uh, recording a couple of days ago is this side of Harry Kane that we're seeing now that he's not just a goal scorer, right? And he can facilitate your guys' entire offense and make it happen. And I mean, his sheer numbers of goals and assists this year already are uh, out of this world. So... As we all know, I mean, it is a uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I know you're certainly not counting your eggs before they hatch, but uh, you guys have been impressive this year, and there's no surprise to me at why you guys are in the spot that you're in right now. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely been something where we have come close in recent seasons. You can point to the two-year stretch of 2015-16 and 2016-17, where the last two years at White Hart Lane were outside of the timing of a, a season, those calendar years, classic line, we were playing some of the best football, but no silverware to show. So it's something where we've changed our style, we've changed managers, and it's still the same club. And it is something that I'm welcoming I'm going to yeah it's also helping that other clubs are not at their traditional pace so probably getting the benefit not really a benefit but maybe a a reorganization of you know what it takes to be elite clubs because world conditions are not ideal right now so we're seeing the effects on the pitch in terms of how Clubs are performing, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, their lives have been changed, and, you know, the fan element hasn't been there. We're only just now starting to see the fans come back, but I think that, you know, just how the season is a bit of an up-for-grabs thing, we're, we're seeing just the real-world ramifications of, you know, something like coronavirus changing results in sports leagues because all these other clubs have all the talent in the world but it's probably a lot of abstract things at play here that are you know making results be what they are and we've talked about abstract things before especially with Jose Mourinho and how he's probably you know cultivating this siege mentality and using what's going on in the world as that type of fuel for them to continue from week to week and it doesn't make it any easier for what the other clubs bring but it's something that ideally they can control yeah and i think it, it definitely affects everyone's performance you know and it's not well it is kind of right now some clubs have fans some clubs don't and i get that and i respect that um but it's this thing where for for me from an outsider standpoint i, I just for the first time 
definitely in a long time and possibly ever. I don't know Tottenham's whole history of, of managers, but you, you guys have a world-class manager. And I'm not going to say that Pochettino – yeah, I am going to say Pochettino wasn't that. He's a fantastic manager, but he's not on the level of Jose Mourinho, right? That's fair. Yeah, and, he uh, was a young manager. It was his second appointment, and you know he's still making up his mind on his third. So that's fair. Yeah, and I just uh, – I, I know – firsthand you know obviously having Mourinho at United like he he brings a lot of clout with him and if he gets players to buy into what he wants on the field you've seen results at every single place that he's been at and I get that you know we didn't win Champions League and all of this happened he won trophies from his first season on at United and uh, we certainly saw better from him than we've seen from the previous two managers post Ferguson. So, and I, we've talked about it enough times personally and on this podcast, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jose guy. I like him. Uh, I like his attitude. I like his personality. It's uh, again, I guess just to kind of wrap it up, it's not a surprise to me that you guys are in this spot with him at the home. It's, it's just not a surprise to me at all. You uh, kind of have a fairly, fairly big match coming up on Wednesday, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah. We're taking on, last year's champions Liverpool so and they are uh you know with us in first but second on goal differential and it's obviously going to be a pivotal matchup middle part of the season coming up and yeah this is definitely like a one part of a six point swing in the league especially when they have their sights on another league title it's something that I feel we're ready for. We've been making ourselves ready for these types of big matches since Mourinho took over. Not to say that Pochettino wasn't capable of big matches, but sometimes they felt incidental in terms of the results that we would get rather than somewhat of a natural byproduct of what was being cultivated at the club. They were good sides. They had fight. They had desire. But it felt as though they weren't choosing what mindset that they brought into matches. It was more of a byproduct of the confidence of how well they were playing and how confident they were feeling with Pochettino nurturing them all as young players. So, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's almost, it's that weird kind of thing of you have Mourinho at the helm, so it's expected, right? Like, this is what's expected. You, regardless of whether it's Tottenham or Inter or Porto or United or Real, it's expected now, right? Like, this guy has proven himself at enough different places that he's a winner, right? And I get that there's, you know, varying levels of, okay, yeah, again, like for us, he won Europa League, didn't win Champions League or this, finished second in the league and all of this. But the guy wins matches. He knows how to win matches. And it's the biggest thing is that buy-in and and you guys have it right now, and we see it on the field uh, week in and week out. So, Yeah, it's funny how he's able to bring these clubs into results and victories and silverware when he himself really didn't play the game. He played semi-professionally at most in Portugal, and he realized early on, I'm not a player, but... This is a game I love and I understand and I want to bring that to these guys because they deserve to win and be glorious. And it's kind of a snowball effect of 
building the thoughts that lead to actions and seeing the results of the actions that then validate the thoughts and the mindset that went into it and gets easier and easier and it starts manifesting and you get the core guys that come into it like who we've talked about before, Hoybier. We're seeing it really be made alive on the pitch, you know, through him. He is a Mourinho guy. I was speaking well of him when we signed him, but he's really, again, just kind of living out what I was hoping he would be, which is just a no-nonsense, all-levels, 90-minute, rock-solid midfielder. And he never complains. He knows when to interject. And it's going to come down to a week-to-week thing, but I see a combination of world-class manager, like you said, like others have said, like others know. And now we're getting into him having enough world-class players with the right assortment of guys around that who know how to kind of fill in the gaps. So let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, go back and listen to it. When we talked about the Hoiberg signing, like, it, it just – it's the typical Jose signing. We talked about it the other day. It's his Nemanja Matic at Chelsea. It's the exact same signing for you guys at Spurs, and it's working out the exact same way. Absolute anchor in the midfield. As you said, no-nonsense, hard-working guy that's just going to get the job done. Week in and week out. He has played every single minute. Yeah. <laughs> in the Premier League. Not surprising. This season. Not surprising. And uh he won't he won't sit him unless he's forced to. Because he knows. He knows what he has, right? And he needs that's part of that buy-in that he needs, right? And he gets a player like that and he gets him to buy in and then he becomes that leader on the field. And I get it. Like yeah, Kane and, and Son off. are the leaders, but right, you need that kind of heartbeat in that middle, and that's exactly what he is. And uh Again, it just you look at all these different things that we've talked about even within these first fifteen minutes, and it's not a surprise that you guys are in in first right now. So, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of what I wanted to start off with. So, I'm going to to yield before you know I, I start coming off as a little bit you know <laughs> well, self-aggrandizing here. But. Again, again, I'll remind you, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, exactly, and that's why you know it's uh, it's a matter of third of the way through the season so there's plenty of points available and points that can be dropped so we dropped two against palace and that tough london derby against them they're a good club we've talked about how they've established themselves as a middle of the pack premier league club you can maintain your level there that is something that you can look yourself in the mirror with absolute respect every single season if you can do that and they grind it out and they make every single team earn their points except for you know those palace days where some things just don't go well but this year Hodgson has them working really well and as we talked about before Eze, another element another facet of that attack and kind of taking the torch from Zaha a little bit. So they see eye to eye and they're creating. He played really well on Sunday. And uh, even like, especially with this transition that we're doing, uh, moving over to United and Palace is the perfect example, right? Because that first game of the season, they just absolutely put it on us three to one. And I mean, we we looked like an amateur team against them. So yeah, I I just... uh, You guys have been up and down this season. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned those, but 
those matches, but you look like world beaters in the biggest matches. So it's a bit of a of an enigma this year for you guys. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, even the, the whole marathon and sprint analogy we've been using with his inconsistent as we've been right now we're five points out of first place with a game in hand you know what i mean and it's i we win that game in hand and we're two points behind you guys in liverpool you know what i mean which is crazy with how inconsistent we've been this year but i think what we're starting to see uh aside from champions league which we can talk about that as a side subject, is we've been playing way more consistent in the Premier League, which is a good thing. Um, we started off, and I think there's still, we've won nine or ten away games in a row in the Premier League. Um, our struggle has been at home, uh, which is funny, but also not surprising because we talk about the no fans and not having, you know, 78, 80,000 people there. It's, it's a completely different environment. But uh, our biggest thing, man, is just consistency. You know, we've beaten top clubs like PSG two to one. We beat Leipzig five to one in Champions League. Um, haven't lost to any any. Well, I think actually you guys, yeah, because we had the match where uh, who was it got the red card? That was Martial. Yeah, that was shown the red. Yep. For... Yeah, yeah. The six one loss. But aside from that, I don't think we've lost to another top six, top seven team this year. Obviously, Tide City this past past weekend, which was, ugh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the simple fact of the matter remains that seven points separate the top ten right now. Yep. And yeah. that's part of being a third of the way through the season, where there's only a maximum amount of points to begin with, and then other clubs not being on their normal pace, meaning they're not maximizing those potential available points like they have in recent years, Liverpool, City the two years before that. And it makes sense. There's all the vigilance in the world that needs to be maintained at this juncture point, getting into Christmas season, matches a couple times a week. Yep. On average, it's great for the viewer and the fan. Not great for these guys. They're really grinding it out. And... And this is where results can really go either way for clubs top to bottom. So, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, with us, we obviously we've been playing more consistently in the Premier League. Um, now having the Champions League, quote unquote, monkey off of our back of getting knocked out of that and being in Europa. Um, I think that takes a little pressure off. I know that sounds weird because obviously I would much rather have them have advanced in in champions but that is what it is um should have advanced in champions with how well they started but hopefully if it's, it's that thing where they can kind of settle in and i'll say if there's one thing that's been consistent with only there is we go on streaks and we go on stretches right we have these runs where i mean even when he started we won or were unbeaten in 18 19 matches you know what i mean um so i know they're capable of doing that it's just the inconsistency thing as a fan, I, I just, I hate waking up on a Saturday or Sunday morning and not knowing what I'm going to see, right? It's, it's the opposite of you guys right now. It's, are we going to win five to nothing or lose five to nothing? I don't know. And, uh, that, uh, it hurts as a fan, but it's also reality, you know, and, uh, it certainly keeps things interesting. Um, but I, I will see. 
It's a good cup. It's still not the prestige of the Champions League. That's obvious, but a lot of the automatic derision that some of the people that I'm not saying that you're speaking ill of them of mm-hmm. Europa League at all, but there is a bit of an automatic derision placed toward the Europa League because it's kind of seen as this wide open anyone's type of cup and it's definitely expanded a little bit but we've talked about how all these countries that take part have their own tiered system so these are still professional athletes that are you know this is their job they're wanting to win it's not something that they're doing as a hobby really unless you're getting into domestic cups and Mm so I think that there's a lot of Um, superiority complex that you know a lot of fans can take on toward the clubs that can wind up in the Europa League but then as the rounds go on and the results filter through you're reminded of the clubs that remain and how much of a breadth of history that Europe has with all of these clubs and so we see it with who you guys drew you guys drew La Real you know, Real Sociedad, they're first in La Liga right now. And it's going to show that, yeah, you can, quote unquote, drop down to another cut, but then it's frying pan into the fire. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, last year's a perfect example. We got to, what, the semis and that was Sevilla and they bounced us, just absolutely outplayed us, you know? And uh, obviously Sevilla are uh, Europa League Masters, you know what I mean? Having won it, what, four out of the last seven years or five out of the last Something, eight, whatever yeah. it is. They but won uh, it two or three years in a row. <clears throat> in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, uh, <laughs> I hate to say this because I know United, from a popularity standpoint, belongs in a place like Champions League, but competition-wise, Europa's probably where, <laughs> where they belong at right now. And until they can start playing consistent, good football, week in and week out, you're not, I mean, you're not going to be able to compete in Champions League. You're just not. And like that, those teams are the elite of the elite. And we just, we haven't been that for six or seven seasons now, you know? And uh, again, I think the ultimate cure all for it is, is consistency. And they just, they can't do it. And uh, I even look at our players and this year, I would say there's maybe two guys that I feel like have been consistent performers and one of them the fact that his name is even going to come out of my mouth is insane to me but uh the first one everyone knows in bruno but the second one has been fred and it's like this guy has not shown at all anything since Mourinho brought him here and he is undroppable at this point for what he's doing and as a fan i expect no offense from him because that's what we've got since he's been here and I think he finally accepted that I don't need to do that. And now I have pieces in place in front of me that can. So I can kind of be that anchor in the middle. And it's, again, it's insane for me to say that Fred is undroppable right now, but he is. And I think any knowledgeable United fan would say the exact same thing. So, but that's that's part of this kind of ebb and flow of, of Ole getting his players and, and finding out what parts are going to fit. And then let's stop putting square pegs in round holes and let's stop forcing people because or let's stop forcing people to play because of their last name or how much their contract is or any of these sort of things. And let's get the players that perform week in and week out. And uh, we still got a ways to go. There's no doubt about that. So um, we have 
I believe it is Sheffield on Thursday and then Leeds on either Saturday or Sunday, which any United fan has been waiting for a Leeds United matchup since they went down 16 years ago. Um, for those of you that don't know, it was a huge rivalry through the 80s and the 90s, and uh, I'm happy as a United fan to kind of see it uh, come back to light. And uh, I, Leeds is an exciting team to watch. Um, I like their style of football. I know they came out running, and they've cooled off a little bit since. But uh, Sheffield, I think we should be good with. Uh, obviously, we know their performance, which we'll touch on here in a little bit. But uh, Leeds should be a good game, nice competitive game uh, this weekend for us. So, Yeah, Leeds has been waiting to get back into every other big club's ground for 16 years. I mean, for those 16 years, they were the biggest city in England to not have a club in the Premier League. And unlike a lot of other big cities in England, Leeds has Leeds. Leeds and the people of Leeds support Leeds. It's all that they don't, they're not divided there. And that's what gives it kind of that extra weight to their crowd when you go away. It's a cauldron. And they're still ironing out some wrinkles this season where, yeah, they can get at you, but. They're also suspect on defense, especially with set plays that we've been seeing recently. West Ham was just showing weaknesses in their ability to, you know, deter these crosses and corners from coming in. And that's why they're not doing as well as what they could be doing, because they're not doing ugly side of the game, which is stoic defense they're really open they're buccaneering but we're seeing them have that come at a cost they're always going to have the potential of scoring a lot of goals on you and it's a matter of remembering that they can also allow goals we're seeing high score lines in a lot of their matches yeah yeah and what was it even the very first match of the season i played liverpool right it was four three right um and uh, before we move on from Leeds, I'll just say as a, uh, a personal note, Leeds is responsible for two of my favorite players at United as a kid in Rio Ferdinand and Eric Cantona. Both came from Leeds and uh, absolutely flourished with us. So um, I'll uh, it, it's a tense rivalry. I know, uh, I think, uh, what was it last year, Marcus Rashford? tweeted out congrats to them getting to the Premier League and absolutely got ripped apart to the point of where he had to delete the tweet. I'm not condoning that or saying it's the right thing to do, but that's the level of of rivalry that exists between these two clubs. So it'll be fun to watch them uh, match up this weekend. I've seen so many different fans of different clubs, longtime fans who even acknowledge that despite the intense rivalry, that they have with Leeds, it's good for the Premier League. Well, yeah, it, 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 to me, it's it's one of those teams that everyone collectively can say belong in the league, right? And the league doesn't feel right when they're not there. And that's I, I felt like that when Newcastle went down for a couple of years as well, right? And I know part of it is my generation, my age, and who's been the mainstays since I was a kid, but it, it felt weird without Newcastle, right? Like, it just... Newcastle belongs there. They're a big enough club where they belong there. And Leeds, I always felt like that, but it just 
you know, I, obviously they hit rock bottom and came back strong. I'm, uh, I'm happy to see it. So it'll be interesting this weekend. So who, uh, who do you guys, oh, you got another hard one this weekend, right? In Leicester? Yeah, we're getting into uh, the second part of our gauntlet going into the new year. When the fixtures were released, you know, before the season, Spurs fans were looking at our end of November into December matchups and was just kind of one where we were initially shaking our head. But as we've been continuing to get results, it's something where it's building confidence. So, yeah, we have Liverpool on Wednesday, and then Sunday after that is Leicester. Yes, and then that's when we'll have a a cup match that following Wednesday. Uh, Stoke away. Not on a Tuesday. It's a Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, then we have Wolves the following Sunday. So that's definitely going to be a a 1-2-3 punch in the league. And then we get a five-day break. (laughs) Well, until Leeds, but two days before that is Fulham, which you want to think would be a bit of a respite, but they drew Liverpool the other day. So, yeah, the next three matches of Liverpool, Leicester, and Wolves will just be yet another checkpoint for us to get reference of if this team is going to be able to continue. Well, and it's, I mean, you have to, right? And it's one of those things that I think I even saw Jose say it a week or two ago. Like, we're going to have to play all these teams twice. So, yeah, I get that, you know, you can say it's stacked here or stacked there. I mean, either way, you're going to have to play them. And we're kind of looking at the same thing after Sheffield. We have Leeds, then we have Leicester, then we have Wolves, you know, with an Everton thrown in in the Carabao Cup in the middle, right? So it's that tough thing. And you know, I mean, we, we hear it every single year. December and Christmas time is the worst. The players hate it. They get so many games get crunched in. And, uh, you know, it, honestly, it's something that the league should look at. And we've heard manager after manager say that it needs to be looked at. But uh, just to give people at home an idea of how famous the English top league is in terms of the December fixture list. Here's what Tottenham have coming up. This Wednesday, the 16th, Liverpool away. Four days after that, in the morning of the 20th, we host Leicester. We have a cup match three days after that. That Sunday, the 27th, another league match against Wolves. The 30th, that next Wednesday, we host Fulham. The second, another three days after that, we host Leeds, and then we get eight days off. But that is six matches in the course of you know, 15, 16 days. Yeah, I mean, it, a lot. It, yeah, it's absurd, and almost every club goes through it, you know, especially if you're still in your cup competitions. Um and it's something that keeps getting brought up is to be fixed. Yeah. And yet each year comes and goes and managers bring up relevant arguments of injury concerns. Knock on wood. They stay healthy, but there's bound to be injuries in this December season. And you don't ever want to see that. You want to see these guys show what they can do and 
Yeah, I mean, the schedule doesn't help anything. No, and I mean, it comes down to they're humans. They need recovery time, right? They're not machines, and it's just you know, you're forced to go into your bench, you're forced to go into your youth players, and that's when you end up starting to drop points or drop matches that you shouldn't. And it's just not good for the league, and I've never got it. And I think the other thing where it seems like England gets it wrong every year is they're scheduling around champions in Europa as well. Where it will be these things where, like, a team will have a Wednesday Champions League match and then a Saturday Premier League match. And it's like, wouldn't you, like, don't you want your teams that are in Europe to have ample time off so they can continue to be in Europe. But it's this thing where it's like they all, it's like self-sabotaging their own representation in these. And it, it's not just United, it's City, it's Liverpool, it's Spurs, it's whoever it is. And it's just, they do it year in and year out. And I just, I it just it blows my mind, man. It just absolutely blows my mind. So, yeah, that is going to be the annual monthly talking point in the next few weeks. These fixtures are just going to keep rattling on by, and it's difficult to keep track sometimes. But all I can say, and I know that you know you would probably share the same sentiment, let's just get through this part of the year with as many guys as possible healthy. Not only on the pitch, but also with coronavirus and all of these things. But yeah, this sport should entertain, but it shouldn't compromise these guys from making the living that they've been training for their entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you just brought up another good point. You throw in coronavirus as well as an element and it's just, uh, I mean, it's just a whole nother thing and being around families for Christmas and everything like that. And it's just, I don't know, man. It, it just, I, I get that it would delay things or the league would have to go two weeks longer or whatever it may be. But I, I just, you hear, you hear it from the players and coaches every single year and nothing ever happens about it. So um, I'll ask you, man, what, uh, what's your biggest surprise so far this year when it comes to uh, the EPL? Is it, is it you guys in first? Um, well, Mourinho's first press conference last November, he, right off the bat, said, we're not challenging for the title this season. Too much of the season has gone by. You know, I don't have all the pieces that ideally would be at my disposal to mount that type of a challenge. Then he went on to say, next season, absolutely. I'm not saying we will, but we'll challenge for it. And so I think having a full preseason a healthy summer transfer window where we surprisingly got a lot of our targets and just the people buying in, it surprises me, but at the same time, it makes sense as to why it's happening. There's a formula at play. Um, I would say my biggest surprise, uh, it's tough to go in between these two, but I'm going to say West Ham in sixth. Moyes has them playing well. I mean, they're not going to be flashy. I I mean, they're just playing solid, and it's going to be something to keep an eye on because I would rather them not do well. I don't like West Ham. I'd rather they be closer to relegation zone, but here we are. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I would say, you know, them in sixth, 
Southampton in fourth, which doesn't surprise me as much because I, th- I like Hassan Hurdle. I think he's a good coach. But for me, it's got to be it's got to be Sheffield United. And and not I mean yeah they're in last place but one one point after twelve matches. And I mean Out this of an is available thirty six. That's yeah. And this is a team that finished ninth last year. It's not like they barely made it. You know, barely escaped relegation. They finished in the top ten last year. This time last season, I think they were challenging for Champions League spots already. Yeah, yeah, they you know, were probably third in, or fourth. Yeah, yeah, yep. in that uh, third to sixth region, hanging out, and then they tailed off. But again, finished top ten, and now I, they look adrift. In, yeah, at sea. And I just, I mean, you look at it, and yeah, you've given up twenty-one goals, which is a lot. But it's not the most in the league. But you've scored five times. Five times in 12 matches. I, I just... Whew. I'm trying to remember if they've lost any key personnel in the offseason. I I mean, I guess it, it could be the one, which was a lone E. But he was, what, the top-rated goalkeeper stat-wise last year in Dean Henderson? Right? United, United man. Got a lot of great experience last year. He's currently backing up De Gea, but he's got, you know, he's, I think he's been in probably six or seven matches so far this year already for us with as many uh, Europe games as we played. He's looked good. Obviously, I, I think, yeah, that accounts for some of it, but, you know, scoring five goals in 12 matches, Dean Henderson wouldn't change that unless he's scoring from the other keeper box. So I'm not really seeing any notable outgoings that, would have contributed to such a key drop off in that production. Well, yeah, and like I even like Chris Wilder, their coach. I thought he did a fantastic job last year. And then what did they? They finished second the year that they got up before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, you've seen a su- success from the team, but it's just I don't know. It's such a big fall off, and I get that things can change, just like things can change with West Ham or or Southampton or you or us or. City or any one of these teams, but I, it's hard to climb out of one point after 12 matches. He could be the first manager to get the boot out the door this season. No one's left so far, so, I mean, especially with all of these matches coming up, that's way too many points to not get. I mean, what one point, what's... Uh, that's an indictment. I mean, you've drawn once. Yeah, drawn once and lost 11 times. It's tough. And then that's winds up being a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. Guys get used to losing. The manager isn't able to bring them out. And then the thoughts just keep creeping in. So It all snowballs. It does. So that will remain to be seen if they can find a way out of those bottom three because the rate things are going you could almost rubber stamp them yeah. at this at this going rate it's not they're not going to be in the premier league long no no and i just i mean i get it you have west brom who's in front of them with 6 points fulham at 8 burnley at 9 but who i mean you're going to have to string together some good matches and good performances and uh i don't know man i will say as my uh maybe my 1b a choice of biggest surprise, and uh, I'm just saying this one because it delights both you and I so much, is uh, Arsenal currently in 15th. So 
just uh, figured I'd note that while we were talking about it. So I see them there. <laughs> Arteta this, Arteta that. Blah blah blah. Right, right, yeah. I, I see them there in that position. Long may it continue <laughs> and degrade. <laughs> so we uh, got a little bit of a nutshell synopsis of the first third of the season. Uh, let's bring it stateside a little bit. Let's uh, do that. This is kind of a, a relevant update for you. Major League Soccer just wrapped up its last season, and the championship recently concluded, and the cup went to, who was it again, Jeff? The Columbus Crew, actually, uh, defeated the Seattle Sounders. Uh, I believe it was three to nothing in the final. And, uh, hey, oh, go Columbus. Exactly. Um my, both of my parents are actually Columbus Crew fans. They lived in Columbus, Ohio for a little bit and uh, frequented a lot of their games and stuff like that. So they've kind of carried that on uh, once they made the trek back to Nebraska. Um, I think the biggest thing to note is uh, Columbus had two of their best players, if not their two best players, out with COVID. And they still absolutely dominated the match. And uh, Seattle had some chances, don't get me wrong, but... Columbus controlled it from the uh, the very, very beginning. And uh, Columbus was the best team regular season-wise. You looked at the record. They were the most consistent. Um, so I, I don't think a surprise. They had home advantage also for the final match because of how well they did in the regular season. So I'm happy for them considering three years ago they were looking at moving the club away and moving it to Austin. And uh, I wish I could remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Kind of swooped in and was like, no, no, no. I'll provide financing. We're going to keep this here. And now... You had the fans kind of buy back in because they knew they were staying, and now they got approval for a brand-new stadium, which is going to be beautiful and a great part of Columbus. Um, And you just come off of a championship, you know? I will say one of the other things I'd like to note, uh, just because I'm a homer and like to talk about the teams that I like, uh, me uh, spending 16 years down in Orlando. I'm a big Orlando City fan. We've talked about it previously on podcasts. And uh, they were able to make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history, and they also made it to the quarterfinals. So I, I'll just say um, I'm happy to finally see some progress in Orlando. It seems like they finally got a coach that everyone is all about and believe in, and it's one of those one of those things to make an NFL football reference. It's kind of like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they've been bad so long. They had so many top picks where – it, it all is just finally coming together, and it's actually working for them. So I was just happy to see progress from Orlando this year. It gives me a reason to pay more attention to this domestic league. Um, Andrew and I uh, have, have talked about in the past. It's uh, When you follow European football, it's, it's not the easiest to, uh, to, to watch the domestic leagues here in the States. But uh, we need it. I'm happy there's development. I'm happy it's growing. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to see Orlando making some moves finally. Yeah, MLS, it's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to refine itself. And again, it's exciting to see these bits of progress where guys are playing at higher levels. You're starting to see a little bit of a smoothing out of passing across the league. And, you know, it's not quite as much of a, a puppy dog style where you're flinging it long and letting your teammate chase after it, it's starting to get some true hierarchy of better clubs that play with their own style and 
they are representing in uh, CONCACAF Champions League. And I'm not sure how far those clubs have progressed, but it's something where it's not the same, but we have to allow it. And I think when it's domestic, when it's local, you almost hold it to a higher standard because you want it to represent where you come from. You want it to be as good as the other stuff out there. But when it's not, it's easy to kind of dismiss it. But, hey, it's here. MLS is its own thing. I want to kind of pivot a little bit more to not only domestic and stateside, but just local soccer that we were able to enjoy a little bit in the middle part of this year. And uh, it wasn't a little bit bittersweet, but USL League One had a decided (laughs) cup match this season. It is the league two tiers below MLS. There's MLS, MLS Championship, or is it USL Championship, and then USL League One, excuse me. And Union Omaha came in second. They weren't able to play in the championship match due to coronavirus factors at play, but they were able to play uh, socially distanced matches in a nice wide open open air facility with mask enforcement in basically what, July, August, September. And that was really fun to kind of see local soccer right in front of us. Yeah, it was definitely fun to uh, get out, especially knowing that uh, we could stay, you know, a safe distance away from people. Everyone was respecting the mask and everything like that. So um, it was just fun, honestly, on a personal level to get together with some friends and be able to watch some live soccer. I think about how much fun it's going to be in the coming years when we don't have those restrictions and they can have a full stadium and everything like this. And you can tell the state has embraced it. The city's embraced it, which doesn't surprise me. Generally, fans here in Nebraska are all about anything that has to do with any sort of sport. Uh, there's not a whole lot to do other than that here. So it, it was fun to watch. Um, the I will say them playing in the baseball stadium I thought was going to be weird, but I, I actually, it wasn't as weird as I thought it would be. And it, it, it kind of works out. It is, where I, it is what it is. I get why it is with the ownership group and everything. So that doesn't surprise me at all. But we all know if this thing grows and it gets to an MLS level, they'll end up getting their own stadium anyways. So, um, it but is, it was fun. It is, it is nice that the ownership is what it is because it almost offers built-in stability for a young club in a volatile league in a year where bottom lines aren't guaranteed and we're seeing other clubs are folding. Not just stateside, but even overseas. You know, match day revenue is a real thing. And the fact that they had an automatic stadium to play at where they didn't have to guarantee gate receipts because the stadium was already there and has its other main, you know, revenue flow in the Omaha Storm Chasers AAA baseball, it's allowing a little bit of wiggle room for failure, even though we saw this season that they didn't do that. They did really well, and we'll have to see how that consistency, that stability kind of even continues, like you said, with even more fans in the stadium with a team that has already shown success. So I think it's promising 
what's going to happen in these next few seasons with the Union Omaha. Well, yeah, and I think to to kind of both of our points, I would much rather have to watch them in a baseball stadium right now, knowing that they have the backing that they have, than not be able to watch a team at all. So, and to me, it's one of those things where I look at, especially having gone through the entire, uh, what do I, how do I want to put it, evolution of soccer in Orlando, of watching them at the NASL level and then become an MLS team and be a season ticket holder and watch you know that kind of grassroots movement go through the city and all of that. To me, I look at a place like Omaha and I understand the people here because I'm from here and this is where I was born. It's not a matter of if it's going to work in Omaha. It's just a matter of how long is it going to take and they'll end up having their own MLS team. I mean, you can mark my words right now. Put it on the record, recorded, whatever. They'll oh, eventually oh. have their own MLS club. We have you on the record. <laughs> oh, that's I'm what this keep, is? I'm, I'm this is being this. recorded? It is. This is yeah. being recorded. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm keeping this in in the episode. You have to own this. <laughs> so. I will own this. I will own this. I will. All I right. will own this. Well, we'll uh, have to see what those matches bring. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to gather together another time and uh, move beyond these summaries of the last few months and we'll be able to kind of dial in and, and focus on uh, more recent and more specific things uh, so we can maybe just kind of um, unpack it a little bit more in depth. So it's been good, though, to, to catch up and at least get another session in the books here and uh, get another episode out for people who have been uh, writing me fan mail. Uh, <laughs> Screaming from the rooftops. From Bhutan. Um, and uh, Vanuatu Um, it's an island out there Uh, I did not get fan mail from there no Uh, but yeah it's just another thing to kind of have digital company throughout these cold dark months etc so thanks again everyone for finding the time to listen to us yeah, definitely. Andrew, it was, uh, it was good seeing you, man, uh, virtually. It was good talking to you. And, uh, you know, to all the listeners out there, thank you. Uh, we're going to keep the content coming uh, now that we got everything figured out on how to do this uh, safely and the way it should be done right now. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd say let, that's about it. Peace out for now. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.